0: he was really my spiritual father
1: and it really hurt and it caused a lot of divisions but i was like you know this is what this is what the scripture says but this is what
0: this is what christianity is saying and these things are not adding up
1: he started telling us that girls you need to you need to dress for your future husbands you shouldn't be dressing for anyone else you and I'm sitting there <laughs> as a 10 year old going, I'm 10, why am I wor- Why should I be worried about how I'm dressing? Openness and sharing and the honesty and how difficult that is because you, it, it can be used against you. And when that happens, you know, a, a time or, or maybe two, if you'll even after the first time, will open yourself up again it it's uh it's really painful and it, and it becomes y- you feel really isolated come over me for this guy it, it, just his facial expressions looking around like i don't belong here mm. and that made me feel so sad and i was just like i don't belong here either then so pervasive in that culture of like this this idea of american exceptionalism and and like we have to have this flag and we have to be like if, if you aren't for the war if you aren't for whatever then you're not really Christian and I'm like well, how does that fit with a cross um, and and that I think kind of shattered
0: the like the, the armor already had a lot of cheeks yeah. but that kind of like was the final
1: blow to be like okay I don't know that this is true and I'm kind of starting to believe that it's not
0: for the most part, I kept those questions to myself um, because I started to get this feeling um, as much as I loved my church, as much as I loved um, the people there, as much as I felt like this strong sense of belonging, I, I, I really did not feel like it was an okay place to ask really difficult questions.
1: But I, I have always thought that that's so not toxic but like unhealthy because it's teaching us how to be clever and like sneaky with things that we're doing
0: the scott steven podcast presents a deconstructing faith series where we look at people's stories of what was built what was lost and what was found in between episode two josh stefano Hey everybody, welcome to the Scott Stimmen Podcast. Again, we are still continuing this series of deconstructing faith. Um, hopefully, you have been enjoying these interviews and these conversations with people who have been sharing their stories. Hopefully, this is resonating with some of you who may be kind of in that process where you're kind of don't know where you are at within your faith or within the church or or whatever the case may be. So, hopefully, this is helping you, and we would like to hear. Um, If this is, then just kind of feel free to send us an email or just uh, wherever you're listening to this from, just go ahead and send like a note, a comment, so then that way we can kind of get some feedback from you guys. So today we have uh, Josh Stefano. He is joining me today. So Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks
1: for having me on.
0: Yeah, Josh. So um, for those of you who don't know who you are, what's a quick snapshot or um, a quick introduction of who you are?
1: Well, uh, so I grew up in the Church of God. I, I met you at Camp Marengo uh, several several years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> grew, grew up attending pretty much everything the church had going on growing up and then became an ordained uh, Church of God pastor in 2017, and uh, I'm currently not in the church.
0: Okay, good. So, well, <laughs> maybe not good, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> So um, so you talk about the church of God, and you know, I think about the times of being at church camp and, and the ministry there, and especially I think in a summer camp setting, you know, there is a lot of stuff that happens there where we really feel God's call in our lives to go into ministry, and you said 2017 was when you were ordained. That's correct. 2017. Yeah, so so only five years after me. So that's pretty, that's pretty good. Um, I was in the one year track and it took me five years cause I kept losing my file. <laughs> so this is before Anderson kind of took over everything, but, um, but yeah, so, um, So speaking about church life, so thinking about just, you know, you said you kind of grew up in the Church of God. So talk a little bit about your early faith development. You know, what did that look like in the home? What did it look like going to church? Just kind of give me a good, like, snap, kind of a clear picture of, you know, what church life was like for you growing up.
1: Yeah. So we were um, at a a young age, I want to say probably four or five, we got involved uh, in the church. That's my earliest memories. I believe we were involved somewhat before then, but really my family got very involved when I was around that age and we didn't miss a single service. So, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, anything in between the church, the church had going on. We were there. Uh, you could always count us in to be a part of that. My parents were in leadership positions. Um, you know, we, I, I actually a lot of sports stuff happened when I was a kid and it was made very clear to coaches and in uh, and anybody that we were working with that, we're not going to be there on Wednesday nights. We're not, if you do something on Sunday nights, we're not going to be there either. That the, the number one priority was to be in attendance every time the church opened its doors. And, um, that, that continued on. Uh, I, as I got older, got involved in youth, um, and went to Marengo. Uh, first, first time I went there, I think I was probably about 12 or 13 and, um, went had a fantastic just like spiritual awakening, um, it, it was, it, the, I heard the gospel in a way that I had never uh, connected with it in the past. And it really, uh, it really stuck with me and then came back a couple of years later. And that's when I, I realized I had a, a calling to ministry about 14 years old and didn't know what that meant, but, but knew that I should do something with that at some point in time. And um, we had uh, kind of a, a, a bitter breakup, I guess, with the church I grew up in. You know, had been there for twenty plus years, and just realized that we needed a new direction, and uh, and got hooked up with a. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead on you. So you go early, ahead. No, just ahead. just
0: keep going. No, just, okay. we'll get, just go, let's roll with it. <laughs>
1: okay, you're <Get it> rolling. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So uh, then, in the uh, early twenties, um, we we left uh, that church and found a, a small church plant. Um, called One Love Church out in Huber Heights, Ohio, and uh, really connected there. And I was I was able to get involved in leadership there, and that's what led me to becoming ordained. So, um, yeah, we just man, we didn't we didn't miss a thing growing up. We we were there, like I said, every time the church's doors were open, we were there. We we didn't miss a moment. It was very important to my parents. Um, that we be there and be involved in everything we possibly could. We went on every youth trip, every, uh, you know, went to Marengo. We did all those things. And uh, it really, you know, shaped me and my faith in those early years. You know, but that pushed me forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So do you kind of remember the year you left your previous church before you guys got involved in the small church plant?
1: Uh, That was about 2012.
0: 2012. So 2012, you left, went over. And now was it like, uh, I guess, from the transition, was it mostly we left next Sunday or two weeks? we were in a new church or like what was the amount of time before the transition?
1: I think there was there was probably a three or four month gap. Um, okay. and, and they had their, their services were on Saturday nights. It was a completely different format. We met in a bingo hall at the time. Um, and you know, everything had to be brought in and taken out every week. And there was about, I don't know, 15 or 20 people who attended there at the time. And it was just a completely different environment than what I grew up going to that structure of a, of a church that had existed for 50, 60 years at that point. Um, you know, walking away from there for a church that had existed for like 50 or 60 seconds, it seemed like (laughs) Uh, major changes, um, and how yeah. they operate, but it was it was really refreshing um, to come into that different environment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you're at this small church plant. You um, get into leadership. You go through the ordination process. Um, so kind of, in some ways, it seems like, hey, I'm ordained. I'm kind of following this calling in God's life over my life you're moving in that direction, you're, that's kind of the trajectory of your life, then what were some of the things that happened that kind of started to lead to the place where you're at now, where you're no longer at church or attending church or leading church? You know, kind of talk a little bit about, you know, some of the stepping stones or like cracks that kind of led to this present moment where you're at now.
1: Yeah, so um, I don't know that I can pinpoint a specific uh, moment, but I know that one of the one of the things that really um, stuck with me from that church plant was the, the simplicity uh, that was involved there, that there was uh, the whole um, mantra, I guess, for that, for that congregation is love God and love people, you know, that, that, you know, in the, the words of Christ, you know, all, all the law can be summed up in these two commands, you know, love the Lord, your God and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And mm-hmm. so, um that really began to to i don't know kind of shake the foundation of what i thought my faith was because i started to realize i had built up all these other things to be very important on the peripheral right uh these things that i felt like you know i i had grown up um thinking a certain way about um about homosexuality um about uh politics um and and I don't know that it was ever a moment where it was like someone was telling me, you must believe this. You must feel this way about these uh, political topics or about mm. um, someone's sexual orientation or whatever. But it was a. It, it was a culture. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was just part of that culture. And that's that's all I knew. Um, so so part of it for me was was getting outside of that that culture and uh, getting in this little church plant where they just did things completely different and their their love god love people was so simple um it didn't have the baggage of the the church that i had grown up in that was you know yes you you know we love god we love people but we also we don't smoke we don't drink we don't you know all the uh i guess the man-made rules that come along with Mm -hmm. that um you know we shed all those and so that started to get me on this path of wow maybe, maybe this isn't exactly the way that it's supposed to be. Maybe, maybe this construct isn't the way that God intended. And then, um, I, uh, we had a small group, um, that small group, there was, a uh, four couples, uh, and my wife and I just bugged these three other, uh, strange couples until they decided to finally, uh, meet with us. And, uh, they we wouldn't take no for an answer, so we just kept beating on them every Sunday <laughs> until they said they would come. And uh, and and really through that very small group of people, I felt more spiritual growth and connection with with other believers than I had ever felt at any point in my in my life prior to that. Um, there was something about again the simplicity of of meeting together, talking together, um, sharing a meal, and sharing the gospel, right? Like, it was just, it, it reminded me so much of the church in Acts.
0: Oh, yeah. I was you about know. to say that, Acts 2, 42 through 47, like, clearly.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely, and I was like, gosh, you know, and and we had done studies on Acts and and things like that, and I thought, wow, like, we are really, you know, this, this, this to me was really the way to go, but then you know, I became ordained and, you know, felt like, okay, well, I, I, I need to go to full-time ministry. You know, I was, it was hard on my family and I to do, I worked, you know, full-time and then, um, you know, was a, was the associate pastor at that church at that time. And it just wasn't, there wasn't enough home and work, uh, you know, and church balance and work balance, all that stuff. Everything was out of whack. So it was like, well, gosh, everything's out of balance. I need to go into full-time ministry, mm-hmm. um, which yeah, well, looking back, I'm like, wow, that was uh, that was not the way to look at that. But you don't know until you do it, right? Yeah. So, so we, uh, we took a position with a church um, about an hour away. And, um, you know, we, we, we felt like God called us there. And I still, through all of this that we've experienced and, you know, not being there after three years, um, I, I'm confident that God called us there for a season. Um, and that there, there were things that were accomplished for him. Um, even though things didn't end the way that we wanted them to, mm-hmm. but, um, but I carried this, this idea of gosh, the church in acts, you know, that, that model, it's so simple and so impactful. And, and I carried that, that kind of pushed it to the, to the back of my mind. Cause I go to a, from a church plant at the time was about 150 people to this other church that is it's a 100-year-old congregation um it's been you know established obviously for for decades and they were running about i don't know 180 200 people something like that on a sunday and it just the concept was was it made sense to me at the time hey this is church this is how we do it you know, it's this big structured thing that you're expected to do this, 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 and this on a Sunday. And if you don't do those things, somebody's going to be upset, or somebody's going to be mm-hmm. you know, wishing that you had done it differently. Or yeah, you know, um, some of that freedom that I had experienced prior to that in that in the smaller church plant, I, I suddenly didn't have that freedom there. Um, yeah, and and I don't know if you've ever experienced this as a as a pastor as well, but there were times where. I really felt like I couldn't tell people the truth because my livelihood depended on those people.
0: Ooh, <laughs> ooh,
1: man! Uh, yeah, man, you're bringing you're bringing the fire, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, no, 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 no,
0: no, no, no. It, this is. I think this is a very important conversation. So let's let me backtrack a little bit. So you're at the church plant. You felt called to go to this other church about an hour away, and you were there for about. 3 years. Yep. So, let me let me ask this is a question cuz it's kind of answer, I'll answer that question. But let me ask a question first. Did you ever feel when you go to a church as a pastor, when you first start going to a church like, you know, day one, you officially start after you've been called and voted in and all that stuff? a lot of pastors will say that sometimes it feels like there's a honeymoon phase with the church. You know what I mean? Yep. How long was your honeymoon phase at that church? Oh
1: man. Uh, <laughs> well under six months. Um. It, All it, right. Yeah.
0: All right. Now, now, now I, the reason why I ask that because when I took my, I mean, when I got ordained, I was doing a lot of interim stuff, kind of did some like, Church consultation, did a lot of that stuff. But my first actual, like, church that I was, you know, titled lead pastor, I would say, by vocational out in Youngstown, I would say my honeymoon phase, I was there for about two and a half, three years. Uh, I would say my honeymoon phase was probably about a year and a half. Wow. I would say, as opposed to where I last was, I would say it was probably. I'd say maybe six months or less. Yeah. And actually it was funny. Cause when, when things started to hit the fan real quick and again, I was there for six years. So, you know, so, so in six months when things started to hit the fan, you know, my wife Laura even said something about like, Oh wow. So much for the honeymoon phase. And it was like, yeah, you know, this is, this is different. And, mm-hmm. and again, you know, I think that's interesting. So to answer your question, you know, you, they, um, what was it? Oh, now I forgot what question it was again. The uh, idea where you feel like you can't tell people the truth because your livelihood depends on them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
1: yeah,
0: absolutely. Especially, especially when I think when it comes to your elders, or even like your, or Old even like some team. of your ministry teams, because there's a point where they say. Because even like in my in in my situation, there was a thing where it was like, we want you to talk and tell and we are here for you. We love you. We want you to share. You know, your life with us and some of the things that you may be struggling with, or maybe some of your frustrations you're having, we want to know that. Okay.
1: Yeah, sounds great, right?
0: Sounds great. So then you do. Mm -hmm. And then. As you're doing it, you're kind of be going like, well, you know, there's all like, yeah, but well, and then there's sometimes where some other things might happen or some other things might be done, which kind of gives you the thing like kind of gives you the either a you kind of get a, a vibe or a feeling like, you know, maybe I shouldn't be sharing, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't be so transparent about what I'm feeling. Yeah. And then on the same token, there's certain individuals where, you know, because even though they say, yeah, we want you to talk, we think it's great. And then you could be a couple months down the road, you could be in a meeting or you could just be in a situation or just like a conversation. And all of a sudden it's just like, it turns sour and you're like, you know, you're one of my elders Mm -hmm. and you're kind of saying some pretty awful things to your pastor right now. Mm -hmm. So what makes me want to open up my life, open up my heart, be vulnerable to share something to you that could possibly be used as ammunition later right you know what i mean you're loading a gun for them oh yeah it's like it's like here here's the bullets to shoot me here here's the knife to stab me in the back Mm -hmm. hey buddy just put it on the floor daddy's in a thing right now i'll cut this out or maybe i won't who knows it's good good podcasting (laughs) anyway (laughs) so yeah i mean i totally understand that and and in even, in even like kind of like there's something impactful you said, it says like even now you've been, what, three years removed from the church now? How many? Uh, one year. One year. So one year removed from the church. And within that year, you're thinking, you know, I feel like I did good ministry there and there was a season. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it wasn't necessarily what I thought it was going to be. Right. And I think and I think that's kind of a big thing. And I think one of the things that I'm kind of and I mean, I'm kind of in the midst of, of that conversation now and me processing all of that, even though, you know, I went to a week, a counseling weekend, week intensive retreat counseling to kind of deal with some of the stuff I dealt with. Yeah. But that's always been the thing, because especially and maybe you might have experienced this, too, that there's times where you get there and you just kind of feel that the Lord is like, OK. Here are some of the things you can do. Here are some of the things that can really help the church to kind of become more like Acts 2.42 or be more like a kingdom that Christ is communicating about or be more what we would call the church community. You know, Here are some things you can do. Here are some ways we can be missional within our community to really impact it. There's all these things you can do, and you kind of feel the Lord's leading on this. You feel the promptings of the Holy Spirit to do these things, and yet it seems like a lot of times either A— you pitch these ideas to your team and it drowns in a sea of what about isms or what if isms yep. a lot of, buts. there's the butt bullets that shoot up everything. There's the <laughs> fire dousing. And then not only that, but then even the certain ideas where you work so hard, you're passionate, you're like fighting for these things. And it's like, okay. And you finally green light go, let's do this. And you do it and you start to have success with this ministry, then all of a sudden your support from the church dies out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we were having such success. And even though it's a little bit outside of the box, then why couldn't you go, but we're here to support you. Well, where were you? Yep. Where were you? Because this is when I needed you. Right. And because of, and because a couple of people in the church didn't understand it, it were scrumbling and complaining, you kind of backpedaled and you left me. You know, you backpedaled. You took my robe, and now I'm standing out in the cold naked.
1: <laughs> you know? sure, sure, exactly. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, it, it's such a you know. You talked about how, openness and sharing and the honesty, and how difficult that is because you it, it can be used against you, and when that happens you know, a, a time or, or maybe two, if you'll even after the first time will open yourself up again, it, it's, uh, it's really painful. And it, and it becomes, you feel really isolated uh, and, and it's very lonely, uh, you know? And I, I wasn't even the, the lead pastor. I, I, I was an uh, associate there. Um, and, and I felt that, you know, I felt that there were, were groups of people and, and, you know, that would tell me, like you said, oh, we've got your back. We've got your back. We've got your back. But when when push came to shove, they were they were nowhere to be seen, you know, Um, and and that makes it really difficult.
0: Yeah, it does. And it's it's and I think that's always and I mean, it goes back to and I don't even think I said this on the podcast. I think I said it before we even started uh, James 5, 16, Mm -hmm. where, you know, confess your sins to one another. And, you know, even when you look at the construct of sin and what that is, we can think about it as you know, doing things wrong. But even if you look at the idea of that, it's like, well, you could look at it, but what if it's just brokenness? You know, because even when people called people sinners, was it because they actually were committing sins or was it because they had brokenness that needed to be healed of or need to be repented of? Mm-hmm. And when I look at James five sixteen, and what I've kind of learned is that, you know, when we confess our shortcomings or, our, or our, frustrations or even our sins, like, Hey, I, I, I do I'm an alcoholic or whatever the case may be that that's when we confess our sins to one another that brings healing. We're confessing our sins. to God brings salvation. Right. And there's a difference between me being saved. You know, Jesus saves me from my sin, but people, but sharing my sins with others is what's going to heal me. Right. And it's almost that idea of, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And being an ambassador of Christ and kind of being the reflection of that. And even looking at the disciples when Jesus commanded them to go out and they were healing the sick and driving out demons. And this was before Pentecost, this was before the Spirit came upon them. It's like, okay. So here's the power that Jesus has given us, his church, his disciples, to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet, in a church, and kind of going back to what made the church plan, uh, One Love, so different very simple. Love God, love others. And that was kind of how it went, where you can get to a more established church. And it's almost like there's boundaries and rules and restrictions. And, you know, these are certain things that we do do. And these are certain things that we don't do. And it's all these constructs. And it's almost like everybody's always hiding behind a mask.
1: Yeah. Because if you wear the mask, because if you
0: wear the mask, and I go on a Sunday morning, I can smile and go, oh, yeah, God bless you. And hallelujah, praise Jesus and sing my songs. And, oh, that's a good sermon, pastor. Or, or if you're the pastor and you're preaching, you know, you can go, oh, hey, thank you. And you talk to people and you make appearances. And then by the time you're done, you take off your mask and you're exhausted. And I think that's why everyone goes, oh, Sunday morning naps are the best. Sunday morning naps are the best because you're tired. Right. Because yeah. you felt like you had to. And I hate to say, it, and this is going to sound like a dirty word, but you had to perform mm-hmm. because you couldn't be real. You couldn't be vulnerable. You sometimes even within, like you mentioned, like the other time with the other church, you know, sometimes politics could come into play. Oh, yeah. And the idea that, you know, something may have happened that, you know, scripturally, very clear, or at least how one reads the scripture, how others are reading scriptures, that this is a travesty. And you should speak out against it. But yet I don't, because I know if I do, there's going to be blowback because of where people's allegiance lie on a political, on a political scale,
1: which is, which is a very uh, unique place to be. And that's where, uh, you know, two things real quick, I, yeah. I'm going to go back and then come back to this. But the the first thing being, you um, Man, I lost my train of thought. No, that's oh okay. Gosh. Uh, well, I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go to the second thing and then okay. <laughs> remember the first. Um, you know, when, uh, yeah, after George Floyd was was murdered, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't take a lot of, uh, you know, political fans or stances on things uh, through social media or in person or anything like that. Um, however, you know, I can remember, yeah, during that time, I, I posted. Uh, I, you know, I have a lot of African American friends who I really care about. You know, these, these are, these are, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. These are people that I genuinely love and, and care for. And to see that community in such pain and sorrow, you know, I, I wrote some things on Facebook. I shared some things that did not sit well with with the the believers in our church, mm. uh, which was a one hundred percent white church, uh, which is that's, that's the community that it's in. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of par for the course, but it, it, it had become a politicized thing and and there was blowback on my lead pastor and I, um, and it, it became something that it should have never been. Yeah. And, and, and there was, and there was fear there that I, you know, how, how much can I actually say then um, about how I feel about this, about a community that is hurting and is in pain and is suffering and that, that needs people to come along and just say, Hey, I, I'm here. You know, I don't, I don't know what to do, but I want you to know that I'm here and I care about you, yeah. but I can't even do that. Uh, you know, because, because of the, the, politi- you know, the politics um, mm-hmm. that, that come into play and uh, the, you know, i remembered what it was uh, from, from going back okay. bit, yeah. um, about the, the, the vulnerability and the honesty and the being real um, and how that's so for some reason, difficult in the church. And I can remember preaching yeah, messages and and asking the, the church, if we can't be real, why are we here? Mm. And that was a question that I asked myself on, on a number of occasions. If I can't come in here with all of my junk, <laughs> with all of my baggage and all of my the stuff that doesn't go right for me, and if I can't be honest with you about it, where can I be honest about it? Where can I be real? And if we yeah. can't do that, you know, I think of a, a you know therapist, you know, people that go you know to talk to someone, and that that begins a healing process for so many people just mm-hmm. to be able to talk to someone about it. Oh well, my goodness! Like, why can't the church be the same? And if we can't, if we don't feel that freedom to say, "Hey, I'm broken. I've got I've got issues. You know, we we've, we've got issues." if we can't come in and say that and be honest and be real mm-hmm. we're wasting our time showing up every Sunday to sing a few songs, to to get an injection of the, of, a, of the little bit of the gospel that we can you know absorb and go on our merry way for the week. To me, you know, I was like, man, that, it just seems so surface level. Like we're, you know, I equated it many times to just, you know, it's, it's putting one more punch card in your ticket to heaven. That's what it's like. You know, that's, yes. it, that's the way it's viewed. And it's, man, it just, it really, it really um, changed my view of the church. And I, and I know I have to say this because I, the church has meant so much to me for so long. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I would not be where I am now and without the influences that I gained throughout that. And I know that the church has done magnificent things for so many people. Uh, so I, I try not to get into that cycle of like, well, I'm just going to bash the church
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: because the church absolutely does does things right and does things well. It's just in these moments where I, I sit with these people that I know there's there's brokenness. There's you know uh, families that I talked to that you know they're they're about to split up and they don't want anybody to know. Yeah. They, 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 they have would tell tell a pastor in confidence and say, please don't say anything to anyone else, because when that word gets out, people are gonna look at us differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, Man. Yeah.
1: How did we get to this place? It's
0: it's it, well, I think that's a very good question, and I think one of the, I think there's a big thing that's going on, um, and I think, and these are just my thoughts. So these are my opinions, my thoughts. I sure. think the thing is, is we now live in a society, especially with the advances in social media culture, mm-hmm. and even news media culture, um, where if you say something, um. Someone may have a difference of opinion, and it seems like it's a personal attack. I mean, think about this like, when I'm at school, I mean, and maybe this might be, but if I'm at school, like high school, let's go back to high school. I'm going back because actually, I'm this Saturday, it's my 20th high school reunion. Oh, so, hey, congratulations! So, yeah, I'm going to that, but awesome. So, when I So when I go back to high school and let's say I have a difference of opinion about, let's just say, I don't know, let's just talk about the abortion issue for sanctity of life. Because I know that was always sometimes a conversation. We had that conversation in German class and everyone sat there and everyone had all these conversations and difference of opinion. But at the end of the day, you know, no one was punching each other in the face. No one was calling someone a baby killer. No one was calling us, you know, a purity prude or, or whatever the case may be. Sure. All right. Because again, that's in a public arena. That's a public setting. Now, if those students, now, if those classmates were in my house and we're having that thing, and someone wants to call me a prude or a baby killer or whatever, get the heck out of my house. Yeah. Why? Because you've invaded my space. I've opened up myself. I've. And I think with, when we look at the social media construct, even though I'm typing up my opinion on my page, the word my page means that this is my page so when someone comments on my thing that's a difference of opinion and not necessarily a difference of opinion that's more of like oh i disagree and kind of more of a civil discourse but oh baby killer then it's like it's like someone just kicked the door into my home mm-hmm. or someone just broke into my home and held a knife to my throat called me a scumbag and all this stuff so now it's like okay wow now get that you know get off my page unfriend block do whatever or you're now going to a war and now when you're commenting on and again you're in your home you're on your computer you're on your phone so even though i put it on my page like if you made a bad criticism of me and i started attacking you based on what you said well you're in your home on your computer so now it feels like it's a personal attack against you because you're now in your home so it's a psychological thing yeah I, so when I've it's a psychological thing, then it's, then that's when it gets nasty. So then it becomes this us versus them mentality. Mm-hmm. And now we see that played out. And then one of the, I mean, I was listening actually just today, I've heard a quote one time when people, cause maybe you're, and again, you're a pastor. So, you know, there's always been this question or maybe you've been asked the question, what do you think is the greatest threat to the church? Mm. Sometimes people ask that question and usually sure. it's like, lbgt community, or <laughs> or it's or it's, it's abortion. It's always or, somebody
1: else.
0: Or it's or it's something. It's always something. Yeah. And yet, one of the things that I heard someone say, which I totally agree, and I actually heard it when I was listening to kind of a summary of Jesus and John Wayne by Sky Jatani and um, the author of the book, uh, Kristen demaze And one of the things that I thought was so fascinating is, like you say, we show up to church have a time of worship. We get our little gospel injection and we go home. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, so the casual church goer, that's like an hour a week for someone who goes to church who, you know, like you said earlier, you know, you're going to Sunday morning, Sunday evenings worship. So let's say, you know, that's four or five hours a week. Right. Mm -hmm. More if you're going to, if you're going to camp, summer camps and conventions and stuff, you know, And yet, we see cable news in our homes for how many hours? Oh! And the problem that we see in our society today is that cable news has more of an influence on the congregation than the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And more people are willing to die and defend their cable news personality than they do their pastor. Yeah. And when the pastor's reading the Scripture, reading the Word of Life, and proclaiming a the word about something and then someone wants to go attack them and say well you're being political Mm
1: -hmm. when in
0: some cases they're not being political they're preaching the word right then on the same token it's like well the 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 hard part is is well i don't want to lose people because if people leave and i'm gonna i'm gonna say it people leave giving drops that affects my livelihood yeah so now Either I don't say anything, even though I know in the scriptures I should speak out against injustice and in some of the things that are happening, whether it's George Floyd or whether it's the Capitol riots or whatever case may be, mm-hmm. or I don't say anything and then I'm kind of neutral, which is going to kind of cause riffle effects, or can I can, or, 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 or it could cause a ripple effect, or I can go the other way and start proclaiming. You know. Capital rights are okay, And, you know, Donald J. Trump is God ordained and, you know, and I can say all this stuff that really goes to a base audience that I kind of know what my congregation makeup is basically because I hear it in the sanctuary before service starts, which I have issue with that. Sure. I may hear it in Sunday school class where we should be diving into the word, not talking about politics, which again, I have issue with that, or I may see the posts on Facebook. So I kind of already know, or even some passive aggressive meme, So I kind of know where their political allegiance of lives. It can probably make a very good education. Guess what cable news outlet they are watching. Sure. And now when that has more influence. So if I'm a pastor and I'm saying the same thing that they're absorbing in Oh, yeah, pastor's going to get him. Oh, yeah, he's speaking truth. Oh, yeah, this is speaking God's word, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, God, guns, and girls, you know, that's, you know, that's what, that's, that's what Jesus preached, right?
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's, that's often what I've come back to. How many, how many times I've come back to what, what did, what did Jesus say on this topic, right? um, or did he say anything on the topic? Or even, or even what did Jesus
0: say? What did the inspired Old Testament writers, sure, say about this topic? What did the epistle writers say about this? And even not only that, but you can even—I mean, Christianity is such a a religion that is rich with culture and wisdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did the what did the writer of Proverbs? What did what did he say about this or what did origin or Augustine or um, or Thomas of Leota or, you know, what did what did um, George Fox, uh, what did uh, Charles and Charles Wesley, you know, what did, um, you know, I was going to say Brigham Young, but that's Latter-day Saints. So maybe I should not <laughs> like, no, 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 um, Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. but, but the, I mean, go on. I mean, okay. the list goes on, or Billy Graham, you can't even throw Billy Graham yeah. in there. But yeah. I mean, you can look at a history of like, and of, here's what everything, here's kind of how people had to deal with some of these issues and some of these problems today. And when you look at it, you go, you know, maybe scripture doesn't have an answer, but we can see other people who have tried to. Tackle these same things with grace and with wisdom and kind of looking like, yeah, I mean, I may not be able to find a scripture that says uh, you shouldn't get biological implants or, you know, cybernetic implants, because, you know, who knows, that could be the thing. Next time I do a podcast, I could have like a robotic eye in my face or, or a robotic arm like you know, we can say whatever we want and say, well, scripture doesn't talk about machine arms. Right, right. But let's look at the thing. Well, let's look at some of the basic foundational things that we believe. Like, why do I have a robotic arm? Did I decide to chop it off? Or was it because, you know, I have diabetes and it's falling off and I need to use my hands for work? So this is a way to not only save my arm, but stop the spread of, you know, whatever it is that's got the infection. Right, um, you know, so there's always there's always these things, and um, and I think that's always kind of the biggest issue that we see within the church, and kind of why so many people are being off putting. Because, like you said, when I read the scriptures, when I read about what Jesus said, when I'm reading what the apostles are saying, what um, what the how people lived life, how community life was done. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, Oh man, this is exciting. This is wonderful. This is great. Mm -hmm. And then I walk into a church building and I feel like that. I can't be open and honest. I feel like that. Yeah. I'm part of the body, but I'm kind of the, the freckle that's always hidden up or touched up with makeup. Right. Because I want, to, I want to look, present, I want to be the beautiful bride for, for Christ. So mm-hmm. let me cover up some of the scars and the blemishes on my body. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm the mole of the body or I'm the scar of the body. Right. Um, and it's like, well, wait a minute. What, you know, why is this in our modern society, the modern church, why does this reflect something so different than what scripture teaches? Why am I hearing from Sunday school teachers, from the pastor, uh, from just church people, church people that I love and respect. And yet I'm hearing things and seeing things and are acting things that contradict to what God tells us how to live. Mm -hmm. And why is that?
1: Yeah.
0: And why and why is this such a and why is it that when I do go into a season of rebuking, when I go and go gently to, you know, you know, when I go gently to come after I remove the log out of my own eye, I go and gently to remove the speck and my hands are getting slapped. Why mm-hmm. is it that I go and I try to feed the sheep that that as a shepherd of the church that God has called me to be here and yet they're biting my ankles, my hands, my my booty, you know, why, why is this? Because this doesn't look like A church, this looks more like I mean, this looks more like a private club. This looks like a social club. (laughs) I was gonna say that I mean, I mean, I I mean, I said that at a I said that during an elder meeting once, and people weren't happy with me, but you know, I make no apologies because it's like, you know, there's a stark difference, a night and day difference between what the church is now and what the church is supposed to be that we see in scriptures. And I mean, we've gotten to the point where it's all about performance, it's all about numbers. It's all about how many people we can put in water Mm -hmm. on a given Sunday, how many people can come. If, I mean, if, if no one's coming to the altar on a Sunday, then something must be going wrong. Um, You know, how many, how can we get people, how many people come to this event, but it's kind of not really an outreach event. It's more of a fun event for people to come or come to our spaghetti dinner, but it's more of a fundraiser. Come Come. Yeah. And, It's always about come to us, come to us, come to our building, come inside our building, Um, you know, and I think this is the, and it's, and even, I mean, even reading um, Kevin Giles' book, you know, What on Earth is a Church? Even though he talks about the church being a community, a community of believers, even within the community, there is a difference between being a true community and and being an individualistic community. Mm -hmm which i find so fascinating that when you say community you're thinking oh yeah we need to go out we're a big all happy family but yet sometimes there's individualism in community too yeah where you have a certain identity whether that's a denominational identity or is a certain identity that well this is how we do things this is how we are this is how we act this is how we behave there's all the rules and this is this is what it means to be a member of this church in the culture of this church. And if you don't fit into the culture, or if you try to make any type of changes to the culture, big or small, then there's going to be consequences on the yeah. low end, just like a grumble or a complaint or an anonymous level on the big thing. Um, someone asking for your removal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a scary spot to be in. Again, once you're, you know, you've got a family, you got a support Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, they're, they're depending on that. And so it uh, doesn't allow you to do those things and to say the things that you really, I mean, gosh, that the spirit may be leading you to say, and, and you don't allow it to happen because you feel like, gosh, if I say that they're, they're going to run me out of here.
0: Yeah. And and I think on the other side of that coin, When you do feel the Spirit saying, this is what you need to say, and you wrestle with it because you're like, ooh, if I say it, Mm -hmm. there's going to be some issues. And then you just kind of feel like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to say it because I feel like this is what the Spirit's leading. This is what I'm reading in scriptures. This is what I'm reading in all my other material that I'm using to prepare my message. So you go and you say it, and then that's when you get the angry phone call, that's when you get the letter or someone saying, hey, I'm no longer going to be a member of the church anymore. That's when you go to a board meeting and already someone's calling in your integrity and your character. (laughs) And even when you, and then even when you kind of call them back out, like I can remember, and I mean, I've mentioned this already in an episode, so I don't want to go to too much in it. But I remember um, after the Capitol riots, we're going through Romans. And one of the things in Romans was Paul was, I think it was Romans three and four. Paul was talking about to the Jewish Christians. Hey, the way you're behaving, the way your constructs are, you're kind of putting a stumbling block in front of your Gentile Christians. And they're having a very negative view of who Jesus is. Yeah. You know, simply put, I mean, I'm paraphrasing there. Sure. So then the Capitol riots happen. And then I see the Jesus saves flag waving in the midst of the violence. And the question I asked my congregation on that Sunday was simply this. I said, when I see the Jesus saves flag waving in, a, in the foreground where there's a background of violence, what does that communicate to the world about who Jesus is, who the church is, and what Christianity is? Absolutely. And that's all I said. Sitting in an elder meeting, I'm now being called out that I was being political, and already there's like a 15-minute conversation if pastors are allowed to be political in the pulpit. And they're talking around me, and I'm just like, Alex, Hello? Yeah. Hello. And So finally, finally they asked me if they asked me if I was being political. And I said, I'm not being political. I'm speaking truth, which made some people mad. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I just simply had to break it down. I said, "Okay, did I say anything about Joe? Did I mention Joe Biden or Donald Trump in my sermon? No. Did I mention Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals, fundamentalists, progressives? Did I mention any of that in my sermon? No. Did I mention any type of politically charged groups? Uh, Quick, qu- qu- however you say that word, Black Lives Matter, you know, right. um, any of these politically charged groups? Mm-hmm. No. What did I say? And they repeated everything that I said that Sunday, word for word. And I said, is that a political statement? No. And why are we having this conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Why are we yep. having this conversation? Yep. Yeah. You see,
1: like, <laughs> there's so much more poured into by those outside influences that, that it's, it, it, there's the thought process and the, and the ideas are so deeply ingrained that when you say something that really isn't even a political statement, it's taken as such. Oh, yeah. They're, they've been conditioned to think that everything is political to some degree.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. I know, I know we're, we're getting close to time, Josh. Yeah. So one last question. So what are you doing now, whether you, yourself, or your family, what are you guys doing now that's kind of helping with your faith development at all? Like, are you going to church? Or are you not going to church? Like, what are you doing currently?
1: Yeah, so we, uh, we attend every, every once in a while. I guess we've been gone for, like I said, a little over a year now. And we've attended um, a larger church in the community a, a handful of times. Um, and we've really decided that I think for us, at least in this, in this time frame, whatever the season looks like, whatever the length is, is that we can do ministry every single day to our neighbors, to, um, to anybody we come into contact with. And, and that, you know, that was something I really struggled with was, oh, man, I'm leaving this, you know, full-time ministry and, you know, I'm going back out into a you know, secular job and, It was like, gosh, is this you know how how I three years I did you know going through this the you know to get ordained and now I'm just kind of throwing it away and so I had to really retrain my brain that I don't need to be in the church to do ministry. Um, So we've kind of taken that approach, and then as well, we have uh, that small group I mentioned that we really you know grew leaps and bounds in. Uh, We we moved back uh, to the Dayton area and we are, you know, reconnecting with those, that, that group of people that, that we had really connected with before. And, you know, we, uh, actually through quarantine, we, um, we did a a weekly Bible study. Um, and, and that was really great. And I, I, I'm hoping to, uh, to continue that on down the road, uh, this more, I don't know, I could probably talk about this all day, about the deconstructing, but I, you know, that, that acts concept is really what I think. I think that's where it's at. I think when I, when I look at that and I see that's the structure that makes the most sense. That's where the growth is. That's where the, the real life connection is with each other and with Christ um, rather than maybe a more traditional setting for us. And like yeah. I said, the, the church has done great things for a lot of people, um, but that's just that's where we are right now.
0: All right. Well, good, Josh. Again, thank you so much for sharing your experience and sharing your story, sharing your thoughts. I definitely appreciate it. Um, Yeah, man. And again, wish you the best of luck to however the Lord leads you, whether you somehow make your way back into a traditional church setting, or you're just kind of, you know, doing like street stuff, home stuff, you know, community stuff, and just kind of doing it out there, man. So uh, God bless you. And thank thank you for being on the show.
1: I mean, uh, thanks for having me on, man. It's been, uh, you know, these are things, these are ideas that really rattle around my brain a lot. So it's good to get them out and, uh, and let somebody else hear them for a change.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And everybody again, thank you so much for listening to the Scott Stebbins podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we just ask that you go ahead and leave a review and a five-star rating. That's going to help other people try to find my podcast and enjoy the content that Uh, you enjoy listening to, and hopefully they will too. Um, Hopefully you guys will just be able to tune in next week as I'll have another episode of another story of someone who's going through the same deconstruction process. And again, I'd love to hear your stories, how this is influencing you, Um, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. I want to hear it all. So just feel free to leave a comment or feel free to email me. You can go to my website, the and you can just go ahead and just leave me a note up there. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll be back on next week. Bye.